Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Patricia Sands lives in north of Toronto, but her heart's other home is in France. An avid traveler and photographer, she spends part of each year when she can in the south France. And once a year, she co-leads a 16-women, 12-day tour of the Riviera and Provence. Her award-winning 2010 novel, The Bridge Club, continues to be a book club favorite. The Promise of Provence, which launched her three-part Love in Provence series, has won multiple awards. Drawing Lessons is Sand's fifth novel. It's also set in the south of France. It was released by Lake Union Publishing in 2017 and was a finalist for multiple awards. The Villa de Violette's miniseries was released in 2019, 2020, and her fourth book is very much in this series anticipated for this year. Patricia is recognized and appreciated force in the world of women's fiction, where she shares generously of herself, and I am proud to be able to call her friend. Today, Patricia is joining us from Canada, and I'm anxious to jump in and chat with her because truly she is one of the most generous authors that I've met in this last year of being a novelist myself. Patricia, hello. Grace, you are just too kind and too sweet, and hi, my friend. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. One of the things I was captivated when I began to do some research for the show, as opposed to the other venues you and I have interacted on, was many people say your stories are designed to carry us away. Tell me about that. Well, um, I, that's my greatest hope uh, when, I, uh, when I write my novels, because uh, apart from The Bridge Club, which, uh, and that in itself, I also hope takes readers on a trip, but that is a trip basically in Canada and across Canada. It goes from Quebec right across to British Columbia. And in the new 10th anniversary edition, I actually do get some of those bridge club ladies to France. <laughs> but uh, then the rest of my novels are all set uh, in the south of France. Uh, some have a portion where the protagonist is in Toronto, but... Um, for the most part, the location is the south of France. And I just, you know, I've been going there for the last 20 years. I first went there when I was 21, which was more than 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> backpacking after university with a bunch of friends. It was the days when Europe had just opened up. Cheap air travel was available and everybody was over there in their 20s. And uh, so that's when I first fell in love with the south of France, with anything France, actually. And, uh, and then 20 years ago, my husband and I uh, were um, able to start doing more extensive traveling. And so ended up going, we hadn't intended, but after our first long stay uh, on the Riviera, we knew that's where we always wanted to be. So we've gone back every year for the last 20 except for the last two years. <laughs> I know, it's been hard for you. Yes. What's, the, what's the magic of that region for you? Because you've traveled many places. So what's mm -hmm. the magic of that part of the world? Well, actually, I've always said, I think I was born there in another life. Might have been a few hundred years ago, but okay. there's just, just something innate that draws me to that culture 
And uh, we did live in Quebec for a few years when I was younger, and most of my friends were French. And so, you know, I had some exposure then too. Um, but, um, I mean, there are so many parts of the world that, that people can go to and fall in love, right? It's, uh, I don't ever want to be the one that's saying this is the most beautiful place in the world. It's just the most beautiful place in the world for me. And it resonates with you. I think, you know, I felt that way when I went to Italy for the first time. My roots are Italian. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was something organic. And whether that's real or imagined or just something that's embedded in your heart, there is something about that magic of it feeling like home to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. So, of course, in every one of my novels, I do uh, write a lot about what it's like to be there, you know, just the sights, the smells, the sounds, everything. And I hope that my readers feel like they've had a, a visit there. And one of the things I want to focus on here in The Storytellers is that there are multiple ways to tell stories. Many of us are novelists and we write in other ways as well. But you also take photographs and that old adage of a picture is worth a thousand words. Can you talk to us a little bit about your photography? And you, you have a very interesting style in terms of what you try to capture. Well, I think I try to capture everything. And my husband would agree with that. <laughs> um, fortunately, he's very patient and he understands when we go for a walk or something that I may just disappear for a while. He just keeps walking. He's learned not to stop and wait. <laughs> He just keeps walking and he knows eventually I'll catch up with him. But I was given my first uh, brownie camera for my sixth birthday, a Kodak brownie camera. And um, I actually, many years ago, found a black and white picture of me with that camera at that time, which is a real treasure for me. Um, and uh, I don't know, I just always loved taking pictures and capturing moments and capturing people in certain places and times and uh it just became part of what I did but you know whoever I was with if we were going away with the girls for the weekend or whatever it was always okay well don't worry about it because Pat will be taking the pictures and um my first husband actually worked for Kodak so um I was uh very fortunate to take a lot of um courses at Kodak during the, the 18 years we were together, and he had free developing at that time. <laughs> Back in the day when we had film and dark rooms. That's right. And uh, we had two children, and of course, you know, when you have kids and you like to take pictures, there's a lot of that going on. So I, I ended up actually doing portrait photography for others for a few years because of the photos they saw of our kids. And... Uh, then um, it's just, uh, you know, something that uh, has continued throughout my life. And, of course, travel is another way that, uh, you know, generates so many photos. And uh, so I've been able to use a lot of those and connect them to my writing. Absolutely. I follow you on Instagram and your pictures are just lovely. I feel like I get to go to France and I've never had the opportunity to be there. I was supposed to be there at the start of the pandemic and that uh, didn't happen. But I always feel like I'm not entirely cheated because I get to see your photographs on Instagram. 
Well, and, and that's the beauty of Instagram, isn't it? I mean, I love Instagram because I get to share my photos, but I also have so many different accounts that I love to follow and pictures that people take all over the world. It really, it's a wonderful platform for social media, I think. It is. I've been very so slow to the social media world. And so to think that a year ago I didn't do Facebook and a year ago I didn't do Instagram. And right. now here we are doing this. Um, you know, I never would have anticipated this. And I think that's something that's a theme in your books that I want to get to as well. Um, I've only um, read The Bridge Club and I'm astonished by how you capture these women, these eight women who have been together for 40 years and you cap you carry them from PMS to hot flashes <laughs> and uh, there's no surprise to me that it's still a book um, a book club book and a favorite after all these times I love that you get to weave in in that 10th year anniversary revision that some of them get to France but you have one paragraph in the book where you do four decades in just four paragraphs. And I was amazed how you did that through the love of music and through a whole genre and generational things. Can you talk about how you were able to put all of that together? Because I know I couldn't do 40 decades in four paragraphs. <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, the Bridge Club is actually based on my real life Bridge Club. And the characters in that book are, are real people. And the things that happen in that book, for the most part, are situations that we all shared and lived together. Uh, when, when I first wrote it, I was just writing it for The Bridge Club. I had no intention of publishing. I'd never published anything in my life. And um, so it all happened by accident that it actually became a published book. And when I realized I was going to put it out there, some things did change. But 80% of the of the novel is based on fact. And the characters are, uh, are all very real. So, you know, it was kind of easy to write all those different stages that we went through because I lived them all with those characters. And, um, uh, it was a. Uh, it was really fun to write it, and they were amazingly supportive. And you know, because I had to talk to each one of them again. I mean, some of the things I wrote about happened thirty, forty years ago, and I didn't remember everything. But the well, person that it happened to did. You say it happened by accident. Does it really happen that way? Uh, well, you know, I. I mean, I believe that for me, yes, it did because I, I really. I had, uh, you know, I was in my 60s and I, I just had uh, no intention of, uh, you know, of being a novelist. And, uh, but it, it's been a wonderful addition to my life. And, uh, you know, when I did, <clears throat> excuse me, I published The Bridge Club because people who read bits and pieces of it said, well, <clears throat> you're telling women's stories. And really, you know, they're important stories that a lot of women of our age will relate to. So um, I went through the process. I took writing courses and went to writing workshops and, you know, learned all the ins and outs of what you should do if you're going to publish. And uh, I, I won't get into all that or I'll blather on forever. But what happened after it was published was receiving emails from readers. And I know you have experienced the same thing. Um, 
And readers said, well, I really enjoyed your writing. What else have you written? And I was like, mm, nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then I realized that uh, I, I did want to write uh, another novel. And uh, I had become involved in the writing community by them, as you have. And you learn so much and you get an appreciation of what an amazing world this is to become a part of and the, the collegiality and the support and everything that goes along with it. Um, and you learn so much. So I knew I wanted to keep writing about mature women and I decided I wanted to set my next novel in the South of France. So that's what started all those stories set in France. Well, you write some pretty amazing things. And I love that you, you know, I'd written three other books before I wrote my novel. (laughs) But I'm finding so many people in our age group who never wrote. And all of a sudden, there's this amazing voice for older women, which I'm finding... Um, partly because I'm an older woman now, but I really love resonating with it. And I love the books that can talk to our younger selves and our older selves. You take on some pretty heavy um, topics in that first book, friendship, laughter, dementia, alcoholism, infidelity, porn addiction, terminal illness, and grief. Mm -hmm. So I understand now that that is very much who your bridge club was, but that's a very brave set of subjects to take on. Do you think that was because you were a first-time novelist, a debut novelist? No, I think it's because that's life. You know, I mean, those are all things that we're just ordinary, regular women, you know, leading ordinary, regular lives. And those are all things that happened within those lives. And, and uh, because I hear from readers all the time, uh, I have that, you know, confirmed over and over and over again, where a reader will write and say, you know what, I loved reading this particular chapter because you told my story. I lived that Yes, there's something very, very real about the way you tell your story. So I'm actually really looking forward to getting into the rest of uh, your books on France. One of the things that I really try to capture in my book is that we are never done. You know, we never, you and I never thought we would be novelists doing this type of interview on radio that will be heard around the world. And, you know, you're still an active tennis player. Both I am too. You're still skiing. There's lots of things that we're doing. One of the things I love is that you have a word called a possibilitarian. (laughs) And did you coin that? No, I did not. And uh, I wish I knew where I read it the first time. And if if I I was thinking the other day, I need to sit down and figure out exactly where it was the first time I saw that word, but I loved it right away. And then it is in a quote from uh, by Norman Vincent Peale which I have on my website. Uh, and maybe that's where I saw it the first time, but um, wherever it was, it really resonated with me. And uh, uh, I, I like it a lot. And I think that we, we all should be possibilitarians. So talk to our listeners a little bit about what that means for you <laughs> or what it means for them, perhaps. Well, for me, it means, and I, I hope this is a thought that I share with, with uh, readers, is that... Uh, Really, you know, in life, if we set our minds to something, anything is possible. Now, it doesn't mean we can suddenly become a, you know, an astrophysicist or something like that. But if you have a dream, 
and something that means a lot to you and you want to make it happen, then do your very best to make it happen. And um, another, another word that I'd like to tie in with that is um, rewirement. When people talk about retirement, I like to say, let's call it rewirement. And you know what? You just rewire your brain and, and go on and do other things that perhaps you never had any time to do before because you were busy raising a family and, you know, working a career. And, and, uh, and maybe there's something else that you would like to do when you reach a certain age. So do you consider yourself retired or rewired or both? <laughs> oh, well, definitely not retired. And, uh, and yes, absolutely rewired for the last 10 years anyway. Uh, and um, uh, I just can't see it stopping, you know. I mean, there's just, life has so many possibilities. And uh, I don't think age should be uh, something that prevents you from trying those possibilities out. Now, I understand very, very well how good health is a critical factor. And uh, there, you know, uh, it can, I mean, health issues can crop up at any age, but certainly as we get older, there are often situations that develop illnesses or conditions that limit um, what we can do. But um, I hope that even within the, you know, the boundaries of, of uh, being limited by certain um, physical or medical um, issues, there are still possibilities out there for everyone. I think that, you know, one of the things I'm really becoming increasingly aware of is how lucky I am, you know, lucky that I have the health and the education uh, to be able to do exactly these things and to be open to those possibilities. Uh, you know, there was a big debate about whether I wanted to go into this arena. And I knew that it was people like you and having conversations with you that would really open more doors for more people to realize just that, that we are never done, that we've got lots of opportunities in front of us. And then indeed, I think, and I, I would love for your comment on this, what do you think the role of girlfriends is in all of that, particularly for women? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, where would we be without them? <laughs> right? Indeed. And uh, the, no, uh, girlfriends, is all, uh, girlfriends have always been part of my life. And uh, um, I mean, my, uh, my bridge club uh, Women are still very much a part of my life. We uh, all through COVID, we have uh, um, zoomed every Tuesday, and uh, we, uh, you know, we're still we don't all live in the same place now, but we're still very closely connected. And uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, women's friendships are something to be celebrated and to be nurtured. Um, you know, that one of the quotes I love is that, uh, you know, you can't have a good friend without being a good friend. And, you know, you really demonstrate that out here across social media, Patricia, and that's something so many people have said about you. So I want you, I, I hope you know that, that you are such <laughs> a good you. friend to um, all your fellow authors. So we're coming up on the close of our time together. And I'd love to know, you know, readers love to know something quirky or different, or maybe something they haven't heard about in another interview. What, that, what might that be about <laughs> with you? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, 
I don't know really that uh, there are any quirks that I haven't been very uh, vocal about uh, throughout the 10 years I've been writing. Um, but people, I don't know, I guess everybody might not know what a big family I have. Uh, but I, we have a blended family. My second husband and I have been married for 25 years this year. I was widowed in my 40s. And then six years later, I remarried. And uh, we have seven kids and uh, who all like each other. That's amazing. And who are all, you know, adults now with their own kids. And we have nine grandchildren. Uh, the two newest we just saw yesterday, identical twin boys. Wow. <laughs> so uh, family life is really important to me, too. And, and a uh, grand dog someplace. Oh, my grand dog. Yes, of course. Thank you for mentioning sweet Georgia, the golden doodle, who is my muse. Yes. She helped me come up with the title of the novel that I'm in deeply in edits on right now. And what's the title and when will it be out? <laughs> well, at the moment, the title is uh, The Long and Winding Road. Okay. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to be out. I'd like it to be out before the end of the year. But um, as I said, I'm deep in edits right now. And uh, so we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, what, that's the plan. What keeps you motivated to keep writing? Do you have other stories inside of you that have to get out or what? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. There are lots of days when I'm going, I don't know why I'm doing this. I really don't know why I'm doing this. But uh, everyone I talk to who writes just agrees that, you know, really once you start, it just becomes part of what you do. And uh, I don't know if I have any more stories. I mean, like, I know I have one more uh, Villa de Violette story. Um, but after that, I'm not sure. Who knows, right? Well, I'm glad you shared your story with us today. You're a wonderful storyteller. And tell people quickly how they can find you and follow you, Patricia. Oh, well, just Google my name, Patricia Sands. My website is patriciasandsauthor.com and all the links to social media are there. I'd love it if you join me on Instagram, Facebook, wherever. But if you don't well, have you time, that's okay. Just buy my books and share them. <laughs> You're a joy, Patricia, and a wonderful storyteller. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks, Grace, and congratulations on this uh, new venture of yours. I think it's going to be uh, very exciting, and uh, you're a natural. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're very Take care, welcome. Patricia. You too. Bye. Bye. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode, because when our stories are told everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.